0: Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Today we have in the studio one of my favorite bands, or two members thereof, from Franz Ferdinand, Alex Capranos, and Bob Hardy. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. It's uh, really great to have you here. It's especially exciting to have you here when you're about to release a very exciting new album. It's only your fifth studio album. You've released albums regularly, but not excessively. You've never (laughs) been like a, it's 10 months later, here's the next album. Yeah, And this album is called Always Ascending. And it, it really is, I was saying to you guys before we started, it, it it does feel a little bit like a reboot. And for once, that's not just a line. It, it actually, you guys have a different lineup now. It, it's changed a lot. Sure, that's
1: right. Uh, Ju- Julian Corey's joined the band, and uh, Dino Bardot's joined us to play live as well. And so, yeah, things changed a little. Al- also, the last record we did was at the end of 10 years of the band's existence. It felt like the end of a decade, and this feels like the beginning of a new decade. And you know,
0: It's still us, but it, it's... Maybe trying to do some different things. You lost a member before you gained members, uh, Nick McCarthy. I mean, Nick left the band, my understanding, is basically has a family and was sick of touring. Is that the, uh, yeah, you
1: know, he's got two kids, and uh, I, the last sort of tours we did, you could see he was finding it really difficult and he was missing the kids. And uh, But we, we knew he was going to leave uh, when we went off to do the FFS tour, and so it was kind of cool. We, we got to sort of come to appreciate it, and he got to enjoy that last tour and uh, that last time we had together.
0: I mean, it's a major thing. You guys have been (laughs) together since like 2002. And uh, for him to come to you and say... I'm leaving the band. That's a heavy conversation. Do you remember that specific conversation? Yeah, it wasn't an overnight thing. It
2: was kind of, you know, uh, the last few months, I guess, of touring our fourth album, it was kind of obvious he wasn't really uh, enjoying being away from his family. Um, and so it wasn't, you know, it didn't just, just happen. It was kind of a slow process. Uh, but when, you know, when he sent, he's a bit, uh, when he finally said, okay, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, go on the road again, so um, he's going to buy out of of making the next record. I guess there was a there was a short period of time where it was kind of like, oh, well, that's, well, what are we going to do? You know, and then, thing. You but know, you've got to be
1: supportive as well, you know, like he's your friend, and you want the best for him.
0: How would you describe what Nick's role was in the band and what hole that left before we get to how you sort of filled it?
1: He was the guitarist and backing singer. Well, yes, <laughs> yes, but <laughs> <yeah>. sorry, <laughs> yes. Like, I know no. at yeah. a I mean, creative it's, level. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. The band, the way bands at like this work is it's a bunch of friends. It's a bunch of friends that hang out and yeah. so sort of, like come up with ideas together and, and, and make stuff up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way I think about it is, you, you know, you, you go out to the pub, you go out to a bar, and you've got your your social group of friends, your people that you hang out with, and some nights one guy will be there, but not there the next time, but still the same kind of social group, and the same, and you have a good good laugh together. It's the same in a band. Yeah, really.
2: I mean, he was he was a big part of the band, obviously. You know, he's there from the beginning, and and um, I, don't, I don't think when when Julian came to join the band, he wasn't trying to replace Nick. He was just you know, it wasn't any kind of yeah. He came to the band as Julian to do to do that.
0: Yeah. yeah. So basically, it's uh, Julian Corey, is that the correct name? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, so, so Ju- Julian, uh, he made uh, music under the name of Meow Meow for a few years. He put out some records on Chemical Underground based in Glasgow.
0: Yeah, cool guy. And let's hear the title track of Always Ascending. To get a sense of where you landed, because it is it's a recognizable place, but a different place and it's funny, Alex, I was looking at an interview we did in 2005. Mm. Uh, we were all so young and um, <laughs> and you, you, were, you were younger <laughs> and uh, you were just about to release your second album at that point. yeah and you were you were talking about great bands managed the trick of evolving sometimes radically yet always sounding. Like themselves yeah and that's I think something you've managed to do and something you've at the same time like every artist puzzled with trying to figure out how how one does that man
1: right? that's the holy grail you know like like to make records that sound totally different but you can still tell it's you your identity stays the same
0: and I think you've done it let's hear always ascending title track So obviously, an element of electronics has entered the band. I, I explain how all that worked. Sure. I, I mean, we'd always had
1: synthesizers and sort of played a bit with electronics, but maybe we went a bit further. Our, our third album had quite, quite a strong electronic element. but Tonight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With, with, with this one, I, I guess what we wanted to do is, is take the kind of parts that you would normally program into a sequencer, uh and, and have those sonics those sounds but play them as a band so what what you're hearing there is this sort of that that range that sonic range that you'd normally find on a dance record but played by a band everything you hear is the sound made by four guys in a room Playing wow. together, you know,
0: and, and Julian's roots are sort of in techno, right? That, yeah, he's he's
1: definitely from an electronic. Like like a lot of my friends who who love, make electronic music, they still love rock and roll at the same time, um, and that, that's that's Julian too. But the, the stuff he made with meow meow was, was was really electronica
2: but also very melodic as well. He's like a big fan
0: of you know beautiful melodies and, uh. and uh, Philippe Zadar. Did I pronounce his last name correctly? That's yeah. beautiful. I nailed yeah. it. Um, <laughs> he's worked with people like Phoenix and is very good at walking this line that I think you guys wanted to walk. Sure,
1: yeah. Like, if, if you hear the records he made, like whether it's the, the Phoenix one or, or, or the Beasties Beastie Boys one or, or even the Cassius stuff that he does himself, they're, they're all quite different in their sounds, but it, 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 there's two ends of electronic music. There's the end that can be quite cold and, and human and machine-like, which is cool, and, it's, and I appreciate that kind of thing, but his end is much more human and emotional, and, and yeah, I guess that's the the end that we like to occupy as well.
0: I think that right before, not counting FFS, uh, which was your collaboration with Sparks, which I'm sure was a sort of a, a lifetime dream that you couldn't even imagine being <laughs> a dream, but you, your album was the uh, right thoughts, right words, right action. And I think right before that album, which kind of was a return to the sound of your first album, I think you'd say, yeah, yeah. right before that album, I, I think you've said that you were close to breaking up. Well, you know, I... I
1: I think Bob and I needed to talk about a few things, so, so we did. Mm. We went to Orkney and sorted it all out. But you know, all, all, all bands have that. Yeah. I think. You know. I think it comes from
2: living together on the road for for however many years. You're doing it you now; it's quite intense, and you need to yeah. kind of make sure that. Yeah,
1: it, it's like having housemates or a pa- yeah. or flatmates. You know, that's kind
2: of like the emotional labour of being in a band. I think we we had neglected for a period of time, but yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, I was thinking about, uh, you know, like many journalists, I was lucky enough to go on the road with you once, uh, you know, it was a, an overnight from the Netherlands back to the UK, yeah. you know, a 12-hour ride and getting out in the middle of the night for the customs people. The and that story, was just yeah. one night that I experienced with you. And I was thinking about the fact that, you know, there's been 12 years of that <laughs> yeah. for for you guys and how... It must be all sorts of things. It's still exhilarating. It must it sometimes be utterly wearying. Mm. What, what are your overall kind of feelings about just life on the road? Because that is what you've mm. ended up committing to in some ways.
1: Yeah, I, I know that going through passport control has lost its novelty now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 I love it. You know, um, it, It's still exciting to go to all these cities around the world, and there are still places that you go to for the first time. But... Um, no, I, I I can't think of anything i'd I'd rather do and and that thrill and that exhilaration that you have on a stage uh, is totally astonishing.
0: And at the same time, there's the thing of you know when you're doing your fifth album or whatever it is, finding the inspiration and energy like it's your first. And I imagine sometimes that's difficult and sometimes it's less difficult. How was how that this time? It felt very easy
1: making this record um, I guess we're all getting on and having a laugh You know if you're having a laugh if you're enjoying yourselves if you're enjoying hanging out with each other uh, It's, it's kind of easy to make a record and I, I think you can always hear it when you listen to a record If, if a band's had a good t- even, no matter how dark the subject match of the songs are if the band has enjoyed making it you you get a a thrill and a, and a buzz from listening to it and and as for how do you how do you do that? Well, it just happens. You know, you, you can't really plan that sort of thing. It's just just it is that way or it isn't. And uh, yeah, maybe treat your fellow band members with respect. Maybe that's part of it.
0: Was there an awkwardness to having a new person there? Was it or was it a constructive awkwardness that um, that thing we have to be a little more polite? We can't be our usual assholes <laughs> if this new person <laughs> is here. Or how, do, how does that work? Just almost on a, on a social and creative level. We remain you know, being the assholes we yeah. will yeah. always be. Good. good. Okay. <laughs> I think the
2: fact that it wasn't awkward at all was kind of the indicator that Julian would be a good fit. You know, we, we we he'd been recommended to us by friends. Um, Stuart Braithwaite from Mogwai and Emma Pollock and um, Paul Savage from the Delgados kind of independently said you know do you know, you know Julian Corey have you thought about asking, uh, working with him so we, we met him for, for dinner and it was Totally, you know, relaxed and enjoyable kind of had social event. Had a few drinks. Went down to the studio, played in what we had we'd been working drinks. on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> went to the pub, came back and just played music together, and it felt immediately it felt very natural. And uh, and his you know his reference point, his cultural reference points, uh, you know, are all this big crossover with us. You know, it was just very very uh, felt very comfortable.
1: I I think the fact that that both uh, Julian and Dino are from Glasgow as well helps a lot, and it makes it easier because, like Bob says, we have the same frame of reference and. The Glaswegian sense of humor is quite a dark one, and uh, to have somebody that can understand that you're not a psychopath, you're just being funny, <laughs> definitely helps.
0: And is Dino a full member as well
1: now? Or yeah, Dino's yeah? touring with us all the time, like, he's in New York right now with us, and uh, uh, yeah, he's a good guy. I, I, we've we've known Dino for a long time, Like he, he'd played in various bands we knew, like,
0: like V-Twin and things, so... So when you went in and played music with Julian that first night what does that mean do it mean you, you jammed or what no, is it No we
2: um we played him a song that we had written and sort of made a demo of but never performed as a band because we didn't you know we weren't we didn't have a lineup those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and so we played him it and he was like, oh i like that and then then was like well, should we have a go at playing it live and he'd heard it like once and he twice just, twice he could just play it straight away on the piano and that was kind of impressive <laughs> but, <laughs> we were giving each other the side eye kind of like what the? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's nice it, 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 and you feel it as well you, you know insti- instinctively and instantly if something's right it just feels good yeah. and yeah. I think he,
2: he when he'd been doing his music under Meow Meow which had a couple of records on Chemical Underground it, he'd just been a solo artist so he he hadn't had the band experience I guess as uh, recently as we, it's recently it's as we buzz, had yeah. so he was getting off on the on, you and know, playing with other people as
0: well it's nice what's your glimpse of love and then we'll maybe play the other one <laughs> This is cool because actually the world has not really heard uh, that song. I think that's the premiere. Yeah, I'm I'm a and ring for you. I guess I chose that as your as your single. But Cheers. I was interested in the lyrics that love is going to come as a photographer. You know, I was wondering if it's about a sort of uh, Instagram famous celebrity or something. I was wondering where you were where you, we were going. You're, with that. you're definitely on the right lines. <laughs> we. we, we um, we we
1: wrote that song by going you know some of the the online tabloid news sites you have these sidebars and you have all these news stories about female celebrities and we we took all the lines in the song apart from the chorus are taken so that line that you heard there uh, uh, well not that one actually but later in the song we, we all the lines are taken from uh, headlines that you would see in those um, uh, sidebars of the the tabloid sites and and they you know they're very objectifying. Um, brutal. And when you take them out of the context of of, of those uh, sidebars, they're quite brutal and really ugly and quite disturbing. And then, so when you listen to the song, you kind of wonder, oh, what's this song about? And you think it's maybe just a song about love. And then you enter the actual uh, <laughs> disturbing
0: world of the, of the source. <laughs> and now let's hear the actual second single, Feel the Love Go.
1: You're not that thing that you're doing. For the things that you do, and not who you are. But don't you go over here. But don't you go over here.
0: But don't you go over here. So it's a, a little more existential or, um, <laughs> or life advice or sarcastic life advice, I'm not sure. No, uh, so yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think of a friend and wish them love. Think of an enemy and wish them more. Where are these thoughts coming from? They're
1: coming from
2: Bob. Right? Well, it's it's the loving. Uh, I was going to a Buddhist meditation class. <laughs> Aha! <laughs> um, See, that makes much so more small. sense than Alex. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. And it's kind of like the it was kind of a, a vibe, uh, sort of a, a riff on the kind of loving kindness meditation. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's a cliched guy in a band.
0: going to. <laughs> and what made you think of that one as a, as a single?
1: When you make a record, we had this rule actually when we were making this record that nobody would mention singles, that so you wouldn't talk about singles because as Philippe puts it, all the other songs become jealous if there's a, if you name what that's the single amazing. is, which is such a good attitude. And so to choose a single, what, what we do is we play the record to our friends or our family and like the, the ones that people respond to. You know, that, that's it's, It kind of becomes obvious at that point. You know, people people like that song, and 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 what's interesting as well is that we didn't really think of that song as a single. In fact, we weren't even sure we were going to put it on the record. But when we recorded it, people, I, yeah, because we recorded in Paris, and the guys from Domino in Paris came round to the studio, and they were losing their brains over it, and they were. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but. In general you've always walked this line I think between some of the more underground and avant-garde taste that you may have and your love for the three to four minute pop song yeah how does how does that balance work for you and how does it shift over time or how has it shifted
1: I I think it's it's the ultimate challenge is to uh, sneak the avant-garde or some more radical ideas into the context of a pop song and uh, you know i i kind of admire artists that do that like i i love, love like a band like the k l f for example that that really you know they were fairly confrontational and had some pretty wild ideas and but still uh they were number one in the charts in the u k and yeah i i love that um I don't know bob how do you feel about that
2: yeah I, I think that maybe my idea of what a pop song is has kind of broadened over the last 15 years as well yeah i mean you know songs like always ascending are definitely not like conventional pop songs in their structure like you know it's like five and a half minutes long and and it's something i don't think we would have put a five and a half minute song on our first or second or third record i mean actually the third record did have a very long song but yeah it's something i think that we're now kind of more open to kind of a uh, changing our idea of what, of what that is
0: I was reading this book by uh, David Byrne, How Music Works. Uh, oh, yes. I it's really interesting. Book, yeah, and he, yeah. had, he, has, he has some points he makes that seem obvious, and then you think more about them, and actually they're, they're quite profound also. And he was ta- there's a chapter about context in music right? and how uh, both the context that what you're writing for, the place you imagine it being listened to, and also the larger context. And You know, the world has changed so much as far as music since you guys started you know, uh, that 12 years or whatever is mm-hmm. an eternity in pop music. And even the very idea of what a pop song is has changed maybe for younger people. So how at all does that affect the way you write, the way you arrange, the way you do everything?
1: It is, it's fascinating the way things have changed. And, and one of the big changes in context in, in our lifetimes as a band is the way that uh, the album and single balance has, has completely been transformed. Um, everything was about the album when we started out, now everything is about the single. It's, mm. it's, it's about standalone tracks. Uh, I, mean, I don't even know if single the right word, but just songs that exist in their own right. And maybe it's... it's uh, I, I do like the idea that you can appreciate a song in its own right, but I, I also still am a fan of a body of work that you can't uh, convey all of your ideas just within one song. And so maybe that's going against what the, the current trends are rather than trying to follow them.
0: Mm. I want to uh, play a bit of a song called Lois Lane, which is, you know, there's a proud tradition of rock songs uh, with Lois Lane in them. There's uh, you a know, oh, right. pocket full of kryptonite by the spin doctors. <laughs> 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 and some other good ones. Yeah. Uh, and let's hear Lois Lane a little bit.
1: It's lame, seen.
0: Didn't get to my favorite part of the song, which I wanted to talk to you about. At the over thirty singles night, <laughs> singles night, it's bleak, it's bleak, it's bleak. See you next week. Uh, it's 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 so catchy and it's so dark and and kind of hilarious. Where where did that bit come from? Um, well, I, actually, I I did, I did have experience of like going to one uh,
1: when I was about twenty four. I was staying in this flat um, in Glasgow. <laughs> And I uh, had a flatmate who was a bit older than me, he was about 28 or 29, and he had a friend who was a bit older, yeah, and he, he had his 30th birthday. And as a joke, we all went round to the over-30 singles night in the hotel around the corner, and it just seemed like the most depressing thing in the world to me at that age of 24, the idea of being over 30, <laughs> never mind single. Um, yeah, I'm I'm over 30 now, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> a long way over 30.
0: <laughs> Getting a little bit older in, in in rock and roll. How does that sit with you? How do you feel about it?
1: I you know, I I think it was a lot harder in, in in the 50s or 60s to be over the age of 22 and and still playing in a band. Now because quite a few folk have aged before us, you know. Like like uh, and still of course he's in our minds still all the time but if you look at somebody like Bowie making that uh, incredible record uh, just before his 70th birthday when he died it's 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 obvious to anybody that uh, you can maintain a high level of creative impetus and yeah maintain it throughout your life
0: have you thought about especially now that you've you've got perhaps a new lease on life for this band. Have you, have you thought about it? Is this something that could possibly span decades, that you just keep going and keep going? Because I'm not sure if initially you were so sure you'd been in so many bands and done so many things that it, it may have been just another project starting out. So how, how do you see it now? <laughs> I mean, we got to, you know...
2: I'm just got my head on this tour, really. We're, we're, yes. doing, we're doing a playing a lot of dates this year. She, yeah, yeah. she come to shows in here in April. Uh, but um, yeah, ba- I mean, ba- I Bob looks so
0: terrified right uh, now. Think I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I don't want
2: to plan my life, you know, past September or past my tour dates. So I've got <laughs> listed currently, you know. So I, like, I where I'm would very be. Yeah, why, why do get why would I, I've, do I've
1: always been bad at planning ahead lately. Like, like, um, I'm the kind of guy that would get a diary for my Christmas and, and then sort of like write sort of stop putting entries in after January the seventh. And you know, I am not good at planning for the future. And uh, maybe that's how you stay sane in this world as well by by not thinking about the future too much.
0: When I interviewed you and when I interviewed a lot of bands that I really liked back in the 2000s, I, I had this template before me from an earlier era where it kind of was like, oh, this is a great band. They might be as big as, you know, U2 or R.E.M. or something. And it turned out that the... The way things would go for the most part other than I don't know Coldplay or somebody that it's it's a little different That's not even on the menu anymore to become You know you two. the triumph like you guys have is is having a career being quite a well-known band without sort of quote-unquote Conquering the world or even the key part of things is, is really even wanting to <laughs> Yeah,
1: I know when we got a band together nobody mentioned conquering anything and, and that that was never the desire I, and I I, I think to do to get to that kind of level of, of, of playing stadiums and that be, being your life, you, you really have to want to do it, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's we really have the obsession uh, with that to, to I, get there. I,
2: yeah, I think it's different now as well with the way that uh, the internet makes uh, it more. All your fans are just so much closer, so you might you know your fan base feels very close and very intense, but you know, so the sh- you. It's like quality over quantity. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like you know you can play you can play a show to like a big theater show or whatever, but everyone there you know really into your band because they found you because they can find you. Whereas it's like you know it's there's so many there's so many different music so much different music available and so much different avenues to find it that people can splinter off into many
0: different ways. So when they do find what they love, they kind of really dedicate themselves to it. You've avoided nostalgia. You've, you've managed to move forward. It's funny there is a time of as you may have been hearing on this press tour. It's a time of a little bit of, of sort of mid-2000s nostalgia. Oh, is
1: there? Uh, yes, it's a thing. No of, you know, know. I'm just managing to get my head around the 90s revivalism, <laughs> never mind the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: a friend and colleague of mine wrote a book that was uh, quite big in the U.S., uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom. Oh, about yeah, sort of, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. That's a great book. Lizzie's book. Yeah, yeah Lizzie's yeah, book. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. and it inspired a lot of sort of, I think it's both part of and inspired Independently, just a lot of thinking about that era and the quote-unquote rock revival. You guys were never really part of, but yeah. perhaps were vaguely associated here with. Yeah, know, I,
1: I, I guess like if, if there were any sort of parallels, we we, we were closer to what bands like uh, the Rapture and uh, uh, LCD Sound System, like like where, where they were coming from. But you know, I we toured with Interpol. That was our first tour. It was opening up for Interpol in the UK, and they're cool guys and. It's nice to sort of make a connection there
0: you guys were and this is actually something I, r- I wrote about you in my very first uh, Article which is for entertainment weekly It was when the first album came out that the British press was always finding these debut albums And <laughs> saying they were actually one of the greatest debuts of all time and <laughs> this time got go, right? Yeah, That's that's <laughs> literally what I said. That's what I said and I stand by it you know, that's, uh, wh- wh- What I says they're almost always wrong. Sorry gay dad, which was me and <laughs> <laughs> nice guys, but you made a Extremely uncommonly great first album, which is a blessing and a curse in some ways, Uh, or how do you guys see it? Um, we we, we didn't set out to make a masterpiece (laughs) It just happened
1: (laughs) We put our trousers on like everyone else in the world We get to work <laughs> um, I don't know. Like uh, the thing is, is all that the, it wasn't really our first album. You know, I'd been in exactly. a few bands before. You know, I, 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 and it's, it's probably like my third or fourth album, really. Um, uh, as, as for it being a blessing or a curse, it, it, great. You know, I, I love it. People loved that record, and yeah, that, it, it allowed us to continue making records and brought a lot of people to the band. And you know, you, you can't dictate how people. And understand or appreciate your music some people uh, listen to it in a very shallow passing sort of way and some people get into the depths of it you know I, I don't care either way
0: the odd thing with that album is that you were caught up in one of the reasons why the song take me out was so successful in America was a it's it's a great song a classic song and B your label was was paying it to ah. the top. Uh, but the thing is, it would have made no difference
1: anyway. Like it's it's so perverse. Like, that, that song <laughs> yeah. was a was a hit in all those international, yeah, in North America, but worldwide. No, yeah. but it, it, I don't understand why they were doing that stuff. It seemed to belong to a, a completely different decade. You know? Yeah, but it obviously it didn't. Maybe it still goes on. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it just seemed to be the system. It was so embarrassing. Mm. I just remember all this stuff coming <laughs> out, and it's like, 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 yeah, it was us. And, but the other thing was, it was just, I can't remember who was doing the investigation. They just happened to pick on Epic, who were distributing our label for uh, Domino at the time. And if they had picked any label, they would have found exactly the same stuff because every label in the States was doing exactly the same thing at that time.
0: See, my take on that is, you know, if indeed it gave it any boost in America... That's a good use of payola. <laughs> <laughs> why why not use payola for good? Yeah, yeah. Rather than evil. To, yeah. to, yeah. to yeah. try to put yeah. him because you know it also uh, the, the Monsmast album and song was also boosted at That's the time. That's right. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. They it, were it, there. it created this sense, this completely false sense, unfortunately, that "quote unquote" alternative rock, as it was known in the United States, would was on the rise again. Right, uh, right, uh, But right, right. Uh, alas, that w- uh, commercially, you know, right, in right. the yes, mainstream, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it turned out to be a blip. What's here? Take me out for a moment, if we if we can. Has it ever been a sort of Radiohead's creep thing for you? Have you ever grown tired of that song? Um,
1: (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah, that song's in my head. No, Lana Del Rey's never covered it. um, (laughs) uh, uh, No, you hear stories about bands resenting songs that they've written in the past because they have become popular, and to me that just seems absurd. If you're sick of playing the song, just... Don't play the song anymore, and don't moan about it. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a good song to play. I, I like it.
0: What do you remember about writing it and recording it? it stick out it on. Um, well, when we first wrote it, uh, we
1: we couldn't get the tempo right. Uh, the the verses sounded better, played a little bit sl- faster. And the choruses sounded better, played a little bit slower, and we could never quite work it out. And then one day, I had this idea that, ah, right, guys, we're going to take all the verses, put them at the beginning of the song, then we're going to slow
0: down and play all the
1: choruses, which is kind of the wrong way to do it, but it kind
0: of works in that song. Bob, I was looking at our old interview uh, from 2005, and at the time, at least, you were a very instinctive player. You didn't know any scales. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, that, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. very good at scales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I was curious after all these years that have you, um, has that changed at all? Have you sort of studied more formally? Yeah, or yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I got um, I got like bass guitar for dummies book. <laughs> uh, it really, really changed the way I played. Um, and not um, And it made things made a lot more sense. But I had to really, get, I had to reach the point where I was like, I had to realize that oh yeah, fuck, I am a bass player. I'm a bass player in a band. I better actually learn how to do it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I downloaded the book.
1: Because you like to pretend for a really long time that you weren't a musician. Well, I was more invested in the social
2: aspects of being in a band, I think, than the the technique of playing the bass. I'm not a big music fan, obviously. But um, at some point in the last, I don't know, eight or nine years, I guess, I kind of thought I'd give it a go. That's, that's somewhat hilarious, and uh, one thing I did know is actually after I, because I didn't play an instrument growing up, but I was a huge Beatles fan, and I, I, growing up listening to the Beatles, never really listening to the bass lines and then having learned how to play the bass and being a bass player in a band, going back and listening to Paul McCartney in the Beatles, and you're like, bloody hell, that's this is incredible. You know what he's doing. I uh, never really appreciated that before.
0: And to uh, jump back to Franz Ferdinand's new album, or just about to release new album, Always Ascending. Let's hear another really interesting, great song called "The Academy Award," which tackles some subject matter. It's funny. I'm, I'm talking a lot about David Byrne because I, I interviewed him and was dive deep, and he had a a great a great line that you've already taken to heart, which is he wants to tell. Bands and songwriters, please don't just write about your girlfriends and boyfriends. It's oh, a big yeah. world. There's so many things to write about. and, and well, yeah. as I was thinking about your lyrics, I think you, you have the same idea.: yeah, I think.
1: yeah, yeah, I very rarely write about my girlfriends. they don't like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> With a couple famous exceptions.: Yes, but, <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's they, they didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's hear the Academy Award.
1: Yeah. the Movies of) For good times
0: the next line is, uh, show me the body, hikikamori, which is, we were saying, is a term I'm, I'm fairly sure has never been used in at least an English language song before. And of course, it's the Japanese term for a kind of shut-in who lives in their parents' basement and, and plays a lot of video games and watches anime, of which we ha- now have many in the United States and elsewhere in the world. And this whole song gets at the idea of the, the sort of panopticon that everyone's created, this this sense of of observing and being observed, seems to be part of it. Yeah. But but don't let me explain it, please let you. No, <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I I guess this sort of a collage of all those places, and uh, it's, it's amazing that that Japanese term which Bob discovered, which you know, it, it sums up a specific social phenomenon in Japan. But we see it everywhere, where people are, are are communicating through their devices more than they are in in real life. And the chorus there, it's it's singing about I'm, I'm singing about how we, for the first time in human history we, we walk around with a movie camera in our pockets all the time and as a result we're performing this role for those cameras and you get an academy award for a performance you know uh, for a performance of a role and in this case the, the academy award for good times is the the performance of a good time that we have not actually having a good time but the um, you know the, the role of
0: a good time yeah the
1: Semblance of a good time.
0: Have you noticed people in your audiences who seem to be f- filming themselves enjoying the band? <laughs> uh, it, that, that is a thing now where people are more, yes, yes. I have seen that. yeah, What do you make of that?
1: Um, it, 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 it's 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 an odd thing to see from stage. Yeah. Um, I, I guess everybody's doing it. It, it. it is. I don't know if you noticed it, Bob. Yeah, I've
2: noticed it. Um. I don't mind. I don't mind it. It doesn't, doesn't really bother me. I, I, and like some bands, that they kind of you know get annoyed when people are on their cell phones or taking photos at gigs, but I, 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 don't, I quite like it. I seen, for me, it feels like that's just like the ripples out nowadays from a gig. It's like not contained in that room. It kind of ripples through throughout like people's Instagram stuff. And I quite like that kind of, it feels like an event
1: Mm. i i, I think i i know I'm, I'm trying to think of the way that I behave when i 'm at a gig and of course you do have the instinct to to record a bit of what you're at the sure. experience that you have i I know what I do is i if if I ever do film a gig I always like hold up hold a camera against my chest so i 'm not looking at the screen mm. so it just captures whatever it is because I hate the idea that i'm somehow um, and enjoying the experience through the LCD yeah, screen of, of my phone it. rather than being there in the moment. I, I, the first time I noticed it was I, I went to see Kraftwerk a few years ago at the Turbine Hall in London. And they had one, this incredible 3D show. And there was a guy... <laughs> Three feet away from him From me uh, Filming the whole thing On a a massive tablet Like an iPad type thing I was like like, Why are you doing this He was looking at the whole show Through his tablet I was like like, You're not going to be able To watch this when you go home Because it's it's 3D You need the damn specs (laughs) You know And you've got to give them back At the end of the show man You know that don't you You can't keep them And yeah It it really summed up The perversity of that
0: situation And there's a line In the song we were just talking about uh, Through liquid crystal We look at the world So That guy made an impression on you We sometimes do a thing on the show, maybe we'll call it Rockstars React, where we play a a new single that's not by them. The last time we did it, I think we played Alice Cooper, the new Taylor Swift song, which he had had a surprising number of thoughts about actually. Mm -hmm. And in a, a perhaps equally incongruous, maybe less incongruous juxtaposition, maybe we'll play a little bit of the new Justin Timberlake single, which is called Supplies and uh, I, i'm personally it it's it's it comes from a weird place it, it has a survivalist bent it's a survivalist justin Timberlake song so let's maybe hear then hear what these guys think of it okay met you, out <laughs> so you be cornered by some guy you used to know <laughs> Left in the boat,
1: said, That's nuts <laughs> Has he got one of those buckets? You know that you get the the what do you call those guys? Well, they're the ones that prepared for the apocalypse. Uh, uh, yeah, they, they build. The, they have the buckets yeah, with all the guys. So yeah, is that what he is now? Is he a survivalist? I, I, well, you know what, li- what is li- li- that? List- Preppers.
0: Preppers. Yeah, is that we, preppers, we call them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, you know, I think. I have no idea, man. <laughs> I, l- I like
2: <laughs> it. Like the, I, I like the music. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Cool. I like it's that, cool. I like that percussive kind of like voices. Yeah, um, I like the. Thing yeah, yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> brrrr whatever it is, yeah, and yeah. it's wordy. I like wordy
1: songs. Yeah. I think he's he's got that kind of thing like like Aber had back in the 70s where he's he's very capable of taking current trends and pushing them a bit further. Uh I I've always liked him. He's a great singer. Fair. But I, I do like to imagine him like sort of like out in the Rocky Mountains or something like that like getting B- ready bunker. for in yeah mm-hmm. decking out his bunker.
0: So, you know, as we were discussing one of the things with your new album which has very little survivalism in it is uh this Not quite newfound because you played with it before, but electronic elements. And you know, Julian, your new member of your band is, as we said, has a sort of techno background. And I was remembering Alex that you you studied computers, and part of it was you were making your own computer music. You once told me what What was that stuff like? If you recall, I I, it was that's what drew me to study that at the time.
1: Um, Yeah, it's kind of weird. to think that all those years ago, I could code and all that kind of thing. I couldn't even dream of starting that now. yeah, I, I, I guess I've always been fascinated with, with that and uh, th- that side of music and the idea of bringing the two together. And, and uh, I'll have to pull some of it out. In fact, one of the songs, the basis of one of those songs did end up on our second album from that period, uh, the song Outsiders. That,
0: huh. that kind of started off from an idea that I had at that period. Speaking of the second album, we were we were talking about sort of career arcs and all that kind of thing. Was there a time when you felt, especially after having... You know a huge pop huge pop hits worldwide when you were thinking about pressure and following up and career arcs and ascending and uh, Always ascending mm. and that kind of thing and do you think less about that now? Is it a different kind of goal? How does it all work for you?
1: I, I making that second album was pretty stressful in the end and it not through pressure that would really put on ourselves, but we We agreed to a tour uh, like, like there was a tour booked for the United States, and then there was a release date set for the album, and then suddenly we thought, like, oh my god, we've only got like f- six months to finish this album, or whatever. And I still like that record, and the songs are really good,
0: but it, it feels it was,
1: you know. Hard work making it.
0: You were saying that uh, your producer not only had a g- great line of if you know if you make one song a single the other songs get jealous, but also that he pisses on singles. <laughs> he told you, uh, and and yeah. then pisses on them. I <laughs> piss on the idea of the single. So is that <laughs> now <French>. true? Truly <laughs> out of your mind about like quote unquote making a hit? Is is that off your radar?
1: Making hits?
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I, w- I I've never in my life sat down to write a hit.
1: I've sat down to write a song and some of those songs have become hits but um you know you, you don't write I, I i like writing songs i, I like sort of you know uh, and then recording them and playing them with my pals that, that that's it you know and I, i'm not i'm not knocking anybody who does sit down sort of deliberately to write hits there's loads of guys that do that there's loads of top line writers and that kind of thing it's just different angle different perspective you come at it
0: from we were talking about the current climate of pop music. Have you learned anything from the mainstream pop and hip hop of the last, you know, say five years? Yeah, I mean there's little things. Like if you listen to the
1: song How Can Jim on this record, I, I know that um the, the kind of like hi hat patterns that you get in a lot of trap music, and that yes. sort of thing, like 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 uh, which are very programmed. And and what what's cool about them is they they sort of shift the the, the swing of the beat like halfway through a bar and that kind of stuff. Um, we thought, oh, that's really cool. Like, like, but I've never heard a band playing that. It's always programmed. And so I know Paul was playing with that a lot on this record, and and, and you hear it in in Huck and Jim. Like that that's our. Weird white Glaswegian way of trying to play something like that.
0: You read my mind. That's actually where I was going. So let's play a little bit of Huck and Jim, which is a really cool song. Some
1: fun, look dumb. Put a stone in the musical window. She don't buy high time. Disco, won't you leave me alone?
0: So again, that might have been a, a world premiere of uh, of Huck and Jim from the, the next Friends <laughs> it, friend. it was. Um, yeah. Sipping 40s with Huck and Jim, where did that image come from? <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, the first line of
1: that chorus <laughs> is, we're going to America, uh, going to tell them about the NHS. and the, the, the song just sounded the most American thing we'd ever done, like sonically. And I was kind of joking about going to America at first, then talking about the NHS because we love the NHS and it's being dismantled in the UK and it's what I talk about with a lot of my American friends, the idea of healthcare and the idea that it's, you know, the the heart of civilization, looking after your sick. And then I wanted to pick a character from history or literature or my experience that that summed up America and uh, the first figure that popped in my head was Huckleberry Finn. Um, And then I realized that... uh, well, it's not, not books, not just about him. It's about him
0: and Jim. Uh, and
1: yeah, those two figures sum up America in quite a few ways. Mm.
0: It's, a, it's an interesting image. So, this has been Alex and Bob from France Ferdinand. It's been delightful to have them here. Their new album, Always Ascending. And this is Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm Brian Hyatt, and we'll be back next week here on Sirius XM's volume channel 106. In the meantime, download us as a podcast, subscribe to us as a podcast, and leave us a review if you can. See you next week.